Unity Community of Central Oregon's podcast featuring Reverend Jane Hyatt. within the context of the season of nonviolence, the season of being peace and compassion in the world. And so today I'm talking about embracing conflict, which seems counterintuitive, because if you want nonviolence, what's the place of conflict? But really, conflict, first of all, you can't get away from it, right? Has anybody here lived a conflict-free life? I didn't think so. It, it doesn't exist. Conflict happens, whether it's conflict within our own selves or conflict with other people. There is going to be conflict, but what we make it mean, that is our power in the world, our experiences. We are the authority for what they mean. And if we make them mean that there is someone or something against us, and so it is, because we are the authority in our lives. But if we make it mean that this is an experience that is for us, then we start to look at it differently. So, for example... You have a fight with somebody. Just think of the last one you had with somebody. I mean, and it may not have been a knockdown, dragout fight. We know that Dave had one because he's got the shiner to prove it. But I know. And and if you know how to do that and survive, then you get to have 50 years of marriage like these two. Because fighting is actually a healthy thing in a relationship. It's, if you, I know in my first marriage, we did not fight. And then at some point, I, I had the metaphor of it was like picking up the tablecloth and discovering, oh, there's no table left. Like the termites had eaten it away. The termites of all those things that we should have said, that we should have fought about, but we didn't because we were both too chicken to embrace conflict. So it, it's really important. How you fight is also important. You have to fight fair, and, and that makes a difference. But, but what you make conflict mean really matters. So to begin with, you make it mean that it's something in your favor. It's something that is here to help you to become more transparent to life. All of us are here to be the Christ light. The the Christ is not something that Jesus had the corner on. Jesus did it really well. Jesus represents a model for how it could be done. But each one of us is called to be the Christ, which means the divine idea. So the divine idea of Charlotte is what you're called to be. The divine idea of Kristen, the divine idea of William. He woke up to that. Oh, okay. (laughs) Maybe I will. (laughs) We, We are all called to be that. 
and none of us achieve it on a regular basis. We achieve it some of the time. So when we get into conflict, what is happening, it's like Joanne was talking about the gas gauge, it's like the indicator light is coming on to say, uh, here's a place you are not maybe being fully the Christed self that you're called to be. Maybe you have not been so skilled in how you've been communicating with another person. Or maybe it has nothing to do with you. Maybe it's completely about the other person and what the other person needs. And you make it be about you when you take it personally. We had an example in, in our spirit group um, the other day. We were talking, and we're doing the eye of the storm, which is about embracing conflict. Um, we were talking about the way we think and communicate. And, and Jeff said, I'm an original thinker, meaning himself. And, and he said that I'm not like that, that I tell the same story the same way every time. So initially, I had this, what? You know, because in my world, original is a good thing. And mundane is not a good thing. But that wasn't what he meant. He wasn't trying to insult me. He was saying that I actually tell the story as I remember it, and I stay pretty consistent with it. I don't change it around in a totally different story. But he himself maybe does do that, because he's not so careful about details with the story. He's just kind of... Whatever occurs to him in the moment is what he's going to tell. And it's a different way of telling a story. It isn't that his way is bad or my way is bad. They're two different ways, and he wasn't insulting me. But I just noticed that I had this, I could get insulted. <laughs> and, and because we were there in the spirit group talking about conflict and all this, I had the grace to think, down, down, maybe this isn't something you have to react to. Maybe I learned, you know, at least one time I took the lesson <laughs> of the whole book and, and acted on it. But how often do we do that? How often do we take something that somebody says, we take it personally, we, we take it in a way that they, it's nothing to do with what they were talking about and everything to do with us. How many of you did the Q process when Gary Simmons, who's the author of that book, was here? Just a few that are here today? Yeah. Well, it's this wonderful process where there's a series of questions that you go through, and you take an example of something that is a conflict in your life, and then you say, okay, what was I actually making that mean? And where did I get the idea that it would mean that? What, what memories do I have that are getting stirred up in all this? And the thing that was so amazing to me, we had to do this for 21 days with different experiences that we were getting upset about. And what I noticed was in the majority of them, they went back to the same core belief. And that core belief for me was that I'm not important. And it was amazing to me the variety of things that all came back to that. Somebody cut me off and wouldn't let me finish speaking. It came back to, I'm not important. Um, 
somebody took too much of my time. Why did they do that? Because I'm not important. Um, <clears throat> somebody, uh, there was a political thing that, uh, I don't even remember which political thing I was upset about that day, but it came down to, <laughs> I'm not important. How did that happen? I don't know, it still happened. There had to be five or six different things, and none of them were related, but they all came down for me to I'm not important. Now, and, and what I identified for myself was um, this experience with my younger brother. When he, Well, the first. I'm one of eight. I'm the oldest. And so the first one to be a younger brother comes along. And I have this memory of my mother saying to me, you need to be my big girl and help with the baby. And I translated to that to, buck up, kid, your baby days are over. <laughs> Did I mention that I was not even two? I was like 16 months. <laughs> so <clears throat> that was a very formative experience for me. I am pretty sure, having had children myself that were close in age, that what my mother was meaning was... I want to include you. I want you to feel like you're important. Ironically, I took exactly the opposite. And I'm pretty confident that everybody in this room has some experience that was formative in our lives. And that experience, we took it in a way that was not in our favor. Sometimes there are things that it's hard to imagine how you wouldn't, like many people we know have been abused in one way or another. When we have been abused, we have a tendency to take in a belief that there's something innately wrong with us. That is not true. And yet it's... I know from working with many people over the years who have been abused in one way or another, that's a common thread. So we go through life then with this belief that there's something wrong with us, and life provides us example after example to prove to us. We have a filter that makes us think, yes, indeed, we were right. We have some modicum of control in this life. We can predict that there's something wrong with us and circumstances show up to prove that. But that's not truth. That's not truth. So when we get into conflict, what happens is something is missing in the relationship between people that's being cried out for. Or somebody else is feeling insecure about something and they're asking for that in some way. Or somebody is just doing something completely innocent, like Jeff's comment about being an original thinker, and we are having our own insecurities activated. And if we're paying attention to them, we can notice them before it becomes a complete storm. But even if we've let it get to the complete storm, we can come back to be the eye of the storm, the, the centered place, by going into our center and asking ourselves, why am I making this mean whatever, what am I making it mean and why? And as we do that, we find a greater calm 
and the whole situation changes. And we get to benefit from it because it's really useful for me to know that I have a tendency to think that I'm not important. Because if you know what's wrong with you, that's why we go to doctors, right? And they say, oh, you've got this. And then they give us medicine that will help with whatever that is. But if we didn't know what was wrong with us, how are we going to treat it? So in knowing that this is the, th the issue that's a core issue for me, then I can use metaphysical medicine. I can remind myself that I am innately valuable. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to be mommy's little helper. I don't have to do anything. It comes with my existence. And that's true for you as well. Whatever the conflict is for us, it's always showing up something. It's showing up that we don't feel worthy, we don't feel lovable, we don't feel safe, we don't feel abundant. Those are the main ones. There might be something else that's a way that you would say it differently, and you'll find that through practice of asking yourself, what is this conflict about for me? Don't try to fix the conflict by fixing the other person. We've all learned by now that doesn't work, right? Instead, when you know what is it that really I need, give yourself that metaphysical medicine. And then you become this calm center from which good things come. There's something I want to share this one quote from the book that I thought was just amazing. He says, experiences are metaphors and mirrors of your belief system, and they serve as feedback to what you are making your life mean. They are portals, breaking and breakthrough points intended to awaken you to your own magnificence. They are not solid, but appear to be so when they are resisted. Isn't that amazing? He also talks about how there are, um, what does he call it? The, The attributes of wholeness. This is what helps you get back in touch. The first one is communion. So when you are noticing conflict, there is a tendency to create separation. So Rhonda, you're over here, and I'm over here, and we're different, and you see it this way, and I see it that way. Whereas the medicine for that is communion, to realize you and I are one. We are completely connected. I'm connected to the divine and so are you. And, and we can't be separated. And when I realize that, the conflict, how can there be conflict that's real? It's not real. The second um, principle of wholeness, or not principle, um, attribute of wholeness is principle. 
And that means standing on principle. So, for example, if you were to take out your wallets right now and see how much money is in your wallet, you might make a conclusion based on how much money is in your wallet about how wealthy and abundant you are. And if you made a conclusion that equaled not very, then that would not be in alignment with principle. Because principle says that we are always abundant because we are the divine expressing. We have all the qualities of the divine available to us at all times. The amount of money that happens to be in our bank account or our wallet is not an expression of principle. It's just a condition. Our principle never changes. And so when you experience a conflict, you can look at it and say, well, what's, what's principle here? What do I know as truth? Abundance is everywhere and abundance is mine. Love is everywhere. I am love. These are examples of principle. Wholeness is mine. I am healthy. The third attribute is purpose. When we are living from purpose, our purpose is to be the divine expressing. We are either the way of God or in the way of God. We're in the way when we are being pig-headed and right and things like that, and we all get that way sometimes. But we are the way of God when we let the divine th flow through us. So think about that person that irritates you so much, who you're pretty sure is not living the way really they should be. <laughs> that person might be the one you see every morning when you look in the mirror. <laughs> or it may be somebody else, or both. But if you are the way of God, then you are allowing that love that is the divine to flow through you and bless that person in front of you, despite what that person may have done that is so irritating despite what you may have done that you feel ashamed of. You let it come through. You let forgiveness flow through. You know that thing about what would Jesus do? Jesus would let the love flow through to everyone, the person in the mirror, the person across the room, And it's hard if somebody did something, if you did something, that you really, really, really don't think is okay. It's hard to be loving the way you would be loving to a little child. You know, who doesn't want to just scoop up a little child and say, oh, I love you so much, and you just let that love flow through you? It's so easy, isn't it, with a little child? At least most of the time. <laughs> but, but with the bigger versions walking around, 
that have done some things you know that we think they should not have done it's it's more challenging and and the mean the way that we do that is we get out of the way we let it be the divine flowing through us and just let go of they say get out of the circumference and get into the center all that stuff is is just on the edges it's not what's important And finally, the fourth attribute of wholeness is non-resistance. So non-resistance means whatever it is that life is dishing your way, don't argue with it. You don't have to like it, but you don't argue with it. You let it flow through you. You, you dance with it. You see what's coming from it. And you trust that it's for your well-being. We live in a world right now where there is tremendous conflict. The way that we will create a, not just a season for nonviolence, but a world of nonviolence is by practicing reconciliation first with ourselves. As we create peace in ourselves, in our response to the conflict and to the circumstances that life presents to us, we will be a force for reconciliation and peace in our world. And that's what we're called to do, despite how difficult things seem whether it's with yourself, with another, with our world. We can work it out. We can work it out by embracing the conflict, by telling ourselves this is for our own good and asking how is it for our own good. And in being curious, we discover exactly how we become more transparent to the light. We become the Christ, which is what our purpose is here to be. And the more of us that are being the divine without borders, the more we have the world that is awakened to love, the world that we long for. So this week, practice instead of running from conflict or attacking it embrace it go back to your center and that's how we will work it out